Christmas with Marv and Harry. Yes! Make their Christmas not so merry. Give them bricks and give them riches. One more Christmas in the trenches. Toss some paint cans down to greet them. Send the toolbox down to meet them. Serve the nails for Christmas dinner. Kevin is declared the winner. May I do the thinking, please? Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. And I wanted to say the Home Alone 2 tagline, but I couldn't. I'm your host, Steve Fountas. Welcome to the Positively Processing Podcast Christmas Movie Review Edition. This is now the fourth year we've done this. Of course, we started with Home Alone with my friend Mike Siders of Siders Creative. Then we did Jingle All the Way with Jeff from Fully Posable. And then we did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chad, the Horror Movie Barbecue. And now, this year, we're going to do a sequel, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, with the great Nate, a.k.a. Ring Skirts. Nate, how are you, and how excited are you to go to New York tonight? Oh my god, I can't wait. Merry Christmas, everybody. So what's new? How, how I mean, I, how's your Christmas season going? You've got a little kid, you know, he's almost, was he two? You've got the yeah. family coming in. You got Christmas plans. You have a giant Christmas tree in your house. I know that. Are you the Are you the Christmas guy? I'm the Christmas guy, and it's it's going phenomenally. I mean, I've always been a Christmas guy, but having a two year old in the house has enhanced it more than I could have ever dreamed. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun. And and to be to be correct, I have four Christmas trees in the house because I'm okay. that kind of buddy. But you have the one main one. That yeah. towers about what, like eighteen feet tall or something? Looks like <laughs> not quite. I think it's nine or ten, something like that. Okay. Well, I mean, this is wrestling talk, so it's, things are exaggerated. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends if you call it if you call it Hulk Hogan tree. It's much taller than like the Terry Bollea tree. Correct. Correct. Depends who we're talking about. Okay. So, if you never listened to a Christmas show before, or I'm sorry, a Christmas movie show before, basically. With the theme of the show, normally we have here, we talk nostalgia, talk about kind of our first viewings of the movie, uh, maybe some memories we might have. Although last year, Jeff kind of screwed that up because I never saw Jingle All the Way before. I'm like, how did you get through life not seeing Jingle All the Way? Anyway, I, I was re- I was listening back to some of those shows just in preparation for this, and it was fun. It was fun listening to Jeff kind of being like, I, there's so much crime in this movie. I'm like, yeah, there definitely was. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of crime in this movie, too, spoiler the, alert. <laughs> yes, and I cannot wait to get to it. All right, so really quick, just a couple propers. Uh, you can follow the show on your favorite podcast app, regular wrestling show, uh, Nostalgic Wrestling Stuff. Just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our guest Nate on Twitter at Ringskirts. Uh, you can also find him in our Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast Facebook group. That's where you can join to have discussions and memes. I'm loving all the memes people are sharing. Cracks. I don't know where they're finding some of these. Uh, and what was it? Uh, uh, Eric Sanchez, the normal host of the show, posted "Brother Bear learned turn like gets a case of Hulkamania or something <laughs> like that, like for the Bear and Stain Bears." So just it's great. great stuff. Your response 
I was thinking the same thing. Like I almost went to eBay and started searching for it. Is this real? Yeah. <laughs> and then we're on Twitter too at PPW Podcast. Not as active as it used to be just because, as I mentioned last week, their algorithms are all goofy. I don't know if you've noticed it at all. Like less less kind of engagement with tweets because we're not Twitter blue people. I don't know if that's true or I'm just not as popular as I used to be, but it's, it's been weird. Weird times it, over there. I haven't noticed too much, but I mean, I have read up on the Twitter blue, whatever. It's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, of course, the sequel to the great, kind of unexpected hit Home Alone 1. Uh, took place, or it was released in 1992. So where were you? Did you see this in the theater? Was this a rental? When was the first time you saw Home Alone 2? It came out November 20th, 1992 at theaters this, across the country. I went to the theater for it. Yeah. Okay. Was, was this like... For it. Yeah, I couldn't wait for it to come out. So let me... I don't know if you'll remember this or if I'm just a crazy person. Do you remember when Fern Gully came out on VHS... And one of the selling points was it's got a teaser trailer to the new Home Alone 2 movie in it. I did not know that. Okay. So that was one of the selling points for me to go to the video store and waste one of my rentals as a kid on Fern Gully (laughs) because it shows a teaser trailer for Home Alone 2. And look it up on YouTube if you get a chance. It's got a pretty badly animated Statue of Liberty doing the Home Alone face. Like, ah, oh, you know, the hands on the face thing. Uh, yeah, and, I, and we'll get more into that. But I also saw it in the theater. I actually saw this twice in the theater. So that right. image, that uh, Statue of Liberty image, actually made it to the, the poster in the VHS. It's on the, the back of the newspaper, Kevin Foley. Mm-hmm. It is, and that's kind of a little fun thing there. And what's <laughs> he doesn't go to the Statue of Liberty in this movie, which I thought was weird. Maybe it costs too much. They're like, we're not doing a boat out there. They went to all the sites, but no Statue of Liberty. That's true. We had been to New York, um, obviously for WrestleMania a couple of years ago, and I'd been there before too, for, also for WrestleMania, but I was never like a New York travel person, obviously, because I lived in Chicago, but you were not close, but closer than me being out in the East Coast. Did you ever go to New York as a kid or want to go or have any nostalgia or romanticism for New York? I mean, I, I actually grew up in New York State, but... Okay. I, I but I mean, like New York City is different than New York I State. I grew up in- far away from New York City as possible to be in the state. And the people I grew up with would never go because they feared the city. So I never went as a kid, but it was always one of those things. I mean, come on, how many movies and TV shows and Madison Mm -hmm. Square Garden? It was the center of everything as a kid. Yeah, and I'd say, for me, it was mostly just movies and stuff that I saw in there. And, and and even as a kid, like, the MSG for wrestling didn't seem... I, I didn't get it. I never got it. It was never, like, a thing for me. Uh, of course, I was spoiled having wrestling here all the time, being in the, you know, a gigantic wrestling city like I am. Uh, I never really cared about it. But it was an interesting idea for them to, to, to take Kevin... And take the whole McAllister clan and put him in New York City, or, or I guess, put Kevin in New York, and eventually I could all get there. I don't even remember if I thought it was a cool idea at the time. Did you have any thought? Because I, I have a story to tell in a second about what I thought the movie was going to be about. When you heard it was Home Alone Two, Lost in New York, what was your thought? Like, what is this movie going to be? Do you remember that at all? I don't remember thinking about it too much. I mean, just being thrilled that there was a second one because I, I loved the first one so much. Kevin was like a 
He was so, a hero for anybody at that age, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's kind of... It seemed like in this movie, Macaulay Culkin was acting worse. <laughs> like, both like as an actor and as a person in this movie. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, it. But okay. So I'm a weirdo and remember things all the time. And especially because of this show. I think of things I haven't thought of in decades. So I mentioned the Fern Gully thing. In addition to the Fern Gully trailer for Home Alone 2, there was kind of like a picture like on the box art like remind like really highlighting hey rent this movie to watch Fern Gully 2 and for I'm sure most people listen to the show are old enough to understand how hard it was to go you weren't unless you were at the movie theater you weren't seeing trailers like or at least especially new movie trailers so it was a big deal to, under, to like get a sneak preview of what this movie was going to be but there was also a picture of Macaulay Culkin with a hat with a feather in it like like a cool New York I don't even know like a New York hat right so no, I took, well, I don't know. That's what I assume people in New York wore. <laughs> Literally a hat with a feather in it, right? Like, I'm picturing a Robin Hood hat. Is that what Basically, you're yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> a New York hat. <laughs> Listen, that's what people in New York wear. Our friends <laughs> out in Jersey, the OVP guys, feather hats, I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming they wear feather hats. <laughs> Definitely. I'm sure if some if, if there's one person that remembers this stupid thing, it's Joe from the Our Vantage Point, oh, soon definitely. to be the spinoff Acid Wash Memories podcast. I'm sure That's they'll cover it. They'll cover it. All right. So I took that one piece of information. Keep in mind, I didn't rent the tape yet because it took me a couple weekends to like, okay, I'm going to waste my rental for the week on a Fern Gully to watch this trailer. I tried to convince my sister to rent it. She's like, I'm not renting Fern Gully. So... I took that one piece of information, and in school, we had a creative writing assignment. It was just write out, write whatever you want, whatever story you want. So I wrote what I thought the plot to Home Alone 2 was going to be based off that one information. <laughs> Let me tell you, it, there's many things I wish I could go back in my life and, and keep my, you know, Hasbro, Hasbros that I donated, my yellow King of the Ring ring that I cracked and got rid of. Just things in life that I wish I could have kept. If I had a copy of that script that I wrote, <laughs> I'd be like to read on air. I do remember a few a few things, right? I remember the plot was Kevin's whole family got to New York, right? And Kevin got separated from them. And he was just wandering around New York City. And at one point I put in the script, Kevin, you know, had his dad's wallet which kind of happened in the movie so i had that got that right and he bought a hat with a feather in it <laughs> <laughs> then the so the main plot of my movie he does see harry and marv at one point i remember the line being he saw harry and marv he ran and that was it that that's the, that's their cameo the main plot of the movie is kevin runs into an orphan and they become friends and wander around and like basically run around new york city end of mm -hmm. my script Kevin's mom, he gets Kevin's mom to adopt. Yeah, I'm not far off with the pigeon lady. <laughs> gets Kevin's mom to adopt the boy, and they go back to Chicago live together. That was my script. So I wish I had that. That's sweet. Yeah, you know, I was a nice kid, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to the movie here. Uh, so this movie starts off same as part one. We get the wide shot of the house, which I mentioned. It's not hard to get to from it's about an hour north from my house in Winnetka, Illinois. Um, very, very rich suburb of Chicago. 
and go ahead. How about that? Uh, how about that opening music? Yeah, the dun, dun, just dun, tone, dun. like, and it gets kind of creepy. Goes in and out of that. I like that. And the the basically the the graphic is the same too, except it's got snow and it says uh-huh. dun, two. It's it it makes you feel comfortable right away. Now yeah. I will say off the bat, I like one way better than two. I still like this movie a lot. And well, we can talk ask, about it. Did you did always? You, did you like this one? As a lot as a kid, I felt like I liked this one a lot more as a kid than as an adult. Same, and really up until viewing it for for the show today, I I ranked them both kind of equally. And then with this viewing, I'm like, yeah, I prefer the first one. I feel mm-hmm. like the first one's more, I don't know, hits an adult and the heartfelt stuff. And... It's got John Candy too, which literally bumps it up a full star rating in my book. <laughs> Uh, Catherine, I was watching an interview with Catherine O'Hara, who of course plays Kevin's mom, and she talked about how John. She's like, we had John Candy for one day for twenty four hours, and she goes, and we shot for twenty four hours with John Candy to make sure we got everything we did, and it was worth it. You know, how about? I mean, I always thought it was so well cast, like Buzz and Catherine O'Hara. I feel mm-hmm. like he could be her her son. Yeah. Yeah, like all the kids kind of looked alike. Like she had red hair. She had a couple redhead kids, you know, uh, Buzz and Pete from Pete and Pete. Uh, yeah. Kevin's got blonde hair. You know, it's it all it, it worked because sometimes you get these TV or movie families where like that doesn't look like your kid. It all uh-huh. worked. It all worked out. So yeah. this also was produced by John Hughes as um, he, he was invo- he wrote this wrote this as well, directed by Chris Columbus. So a couple of heavy hitters there for sure, as far as films and movies and things like that. This whole cast, we'll talk about Tim Curry and Rob Schneider later, but this cast rules. Everybody's cooking with gas in this in this movie here. Uh, starts off the same part of the one as I remember, and then we get to our first viewing. We get to see pretty quickly into the movie The Talk Boy. Like, did you have a Talk Boy? Did you want a Talk Boy? Did you remember seeing it at the store? Do you remember The Talk Boy? I did not have it. Do you have one now? It. You have, no, one now. have one now. Oh, but how's that possible? My best friend had one. Okay. And with playing with his, I realized it was nowhere near as cool as the movie made it. Look. Was it literally just like a tape recorder? Yeah, with a slow-mo function and a telescopic microphone. <laughs> uh, basically a, a more inconvenient recorder. <laughs> exactly. That was it. Uh, and... The, the, there's always hectic going on. In the first movie, it was hectic. Everyone get ready for their flight the next day. This one, everyone's getting ready for the Christmas pageant, which Kevin's in, and his, I'm guessing his brother and all that. Um, at first, I thought it was kind of weird that all these kids' ages are in this, but then I realized in Catholic... It seemed like Kevin went to a Catholic school. Like, you go from kindergarten through eighth grade, like in one school. So that kind of made sense to me there. Then we, of course, have the awesome thing where Kevin's got to get his tie from the bathroom and Uncle Frank's in there and he says what does is, what is the line Kevin have to say that why he can't go in there because Uncle Frank told him if I walk in there and see him naked when I grow up I'll never feel like a real man <laughs> what a great line <laughs> what a thing to tell a kid <laughs> I kind of wish they shot so, that scene and showed it like apparently I, I Uncle Frank's packet. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good voice. <laughs> He's singing his song. We know a guy that can really do the cool jerk. 
<laughs> you know, I, I like I'll go it like I do this too when I think of movies because you know everyone's in a hurry and Frank's like I guess I'll get in the shower like ten minutes before they have to leave. <laughs> He's all, so but, here's here's something I don't get about that scene. He goes from like yelling at Kevin, calling him a nosy little pervert, to immediately singing and like praising himself for being such a good singer. He listen when you're as he says, "Oh, you're cooking, Frank. When you're cooking, <laughs> you're cooking." <laughs> Yes, of course. So Kevin walks in there and hears him singing and he plays the talk boy to record him singing to make fun of him later, presumably. And that's totally something I would do. Like, I remember when I was a kid, if my sister was like singing to, you know, New Kids on the Block or Ace of Bass or whatever she was listening to in the room, I would, I had a recorder, not a talk boy, but a recorder, which ironically I used to record radio shows for myself. And I also, also wish I still have those tapes. Uh, and I would record her and then I would play it back and she'd get so embarrassed and so mad at me. It was good times. Uh, turns around get out of here you nosy little pervert i'm gonna slap you silly (laughs) so i don't know if it was it it was slightly before this or just after this how about he's recording the uh the game show he's watching yeah that's right before that the new ding dang dong the all new celebrity ding dang dong Mm -hmm. what do you think the concept of that game show is i feel like that's a real game show no it's probably just I don't know you it's you, it's like maybe I, trivia questions. I'm picturing like match game. Okay. Like a okay. Night I'm not a big game show guy, so I'm not, I'm the wrong guy to ask that. Oh, like, I'm not, sure. not a big game show guy. But the world-renowned Plaza Hotel, New York's finest hotel experience. For reservations <laughs> and some trivia I looked up, that's the actual number of the hotel. Yeah, they, 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 yeah they got on there. So I thought that was kind of cool. I also looked up you can reserve for a pretty hefty price for the whole month of December the suite that the McAllisters end up in. In that, um, that's an yeah. actual suite. Yes, and included in the suite is a your a very own twenty foot Christmas tree, as well. Oh, wow. So, okay. yep, it's an actual thing. Uh, it's over four grand a night, so it's a little pricey. But it's, it's if you got the money, you know. I always thought to myself. If I was, you know, one that one of these Powerballs, like billions, billions of dollar things, I drive up to Winnetka, knock on the door, and be like, "What's your price for this house?" Love it. I need Love it, and I would restore it back best I could uh, to the Home Alone one wallpaper, carpet, etc. I know a lot of it was a set, but and everyone would come from all around every Christmas, and we'd we'd be there anyway. You have the? Do you have the Michael Jordan? I do. I do. Okay. So you're already there. I mean, you already made the investment. Yes. Although I, I, I didn't in the, in the first home alone, of course, uh, Kevin uses the Michael Jordan cardboard cutout to trick the trick the Harry and Marv to convince him he's not home. 
Although what he does is he cuts off the measuring ruler next to it because it's a growth chart, basically. Right. Yeah. And I did not. I kept my growth chart on there. Well, if you buy the house, you have to cut it off. Definitely. And you have to get a bunch of mannequins and, and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, then we go to the Christmas pageant. And this is where Kevin is a big solo. And a funny scene is, you know, they're wait. Hey, Kevin Solo's coming up. The parents, Kevin Solo. And they wake up Uncle Frank, who's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> you Let me love you Uncle Frank. I remember for the last review, you loved Uncle Frank. Well, let me tell you something. As an, as an adult who has to, who's had to go to recitals, I get it, Uncle Frank. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Although we did talk about in the first episode of Home Alone, there's some things if I was a parent, if like my brother was like talking this type of crap to my kid, he'd be like, you got to take it easy, Uncle Frank. Like, give it a break. It's not your kid. Um, And then there's a thing where Buzz plays a prank on him, pretends to use his, you know, had his drums with a candle as they're doing the Christmas recital. Kevin pushes Buzz. Everybody falls down. We get the first Kevin from Catherine O'Hara. And then we go back to the house where Buzz does a fake apology in front of everybody. And he calls Kevin a trout sniffer. And I don't don't know if I've ever heard that outside of this movie. Is a trout sniffer a thing you've ever been called? Or I I have never heard that outside of this movie. I assume it was a replacement for some other insult that I never made the connection to. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to like think of it in my head, like maybe it means like underwear sniffer or something. I'm like, but no, just I guess trout. Maybe I don't know, trout sniffer. So here's a question I have about the name Buzz. Like, that's not a name. It's is a that nickname. Short for something. It's gotta okay. be. It's gotta be a nickname. I don't know what it is a short name for, but it's gotta be a nickname. Um, what? what I don't know, like, I don't know. Something like something like ridiculous, like Belvedere or something. I don't know. <laughs> Buzz is the, he's the oldest, right? Yeah, he's the oldest brother, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure. He gets like, he's like the first kid, so he gets like the proper name. So, I don't know. And, <laughs> and they're Irish, so maybe it's something like an Irish, long Irish name, because okay. McAllister, so maybe, yeah, maybe there's that. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Kevin again says he doesn't apologize because he's, he's a jerk. Buzz is a jerk. And then another, again, I'm just talking how much I love Uncle Frank. He goes to Kevin, you better ruin my trip, you little sourpuss. Your dad's paying good money for this. Uh, <laughs> and then Kevin comes back, ooh, wouldn't want to spoil your fun, Mr. Cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> like, such a dick thing to say, but hey, you got to talk shit to Uncle Frank. You can't hey, hold back, right? Everyone was thinking it. Everyone's about Uncle Frank? Yeah. Yeah. Because as I think we did like the kind of the math on this, who Uncle Frank is, he is Kevin's mom's sister's husband. So he's a brother-in-law married in. So Kevin's dad is like no relation to this guy whatsoever. <laughs> he's still paying all this money for him. <laughs> and then, of course, there's another storm that comes through. A windstorm knocks the power out. We get the newspaper of the Chicago Sun-Times, Wet Bandits Escape. So we know Harry and Marv are showing up because it blows up on the door. Um, but before that... Once again, Kevin's in trouble, and he wishes again to be alone on Christmas. Like, this is a year ago. He had this traumatic thing happen to him. And he's like, I hope it happens again. Like, dude, what are you doing? So I think it was slightly different. Didn't he, like, unplug his alarm clock unknowing, or 
on accident. I think he needed like an extra yes outlet yes. to charge something or something. Yes, like to that. charge. Yeah. No, 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 no. The first step, the first year, he unplugged the alarm clock because remember he needed to charge his razor. Okay. Be, for for Europe, um, but there was also the windstorm. There was both. Okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that. Someone correct us on that to confirm it. But either way, the alarm clock is not working. And they wake up. We did it again. Do, 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 do. Of course, the thing. And you guys give the worst god darn wake up calls. They go to O'Hare and they're running late. Uh, the O'Hare Airport. Have you been to O'Hare Airport? Um, No. Okay. So I don't fly out of O'Hare too often. We have two airports in Chicago or the two big ones. And I never really, because I've been there a bunch, so I don't really appreciate it. But I do notice from time to time there's people that'll stop and be taking pictures of that hallway, which is a main terminal area. I'm like, why? I'm like, oh yeah, this is where Home Alone was. I get it now. People are like excited to be there. So it was shot at O'Hare, which is kind of a cool thing. So if you're ever at O'Hare, feel free to stop and take some pictures because people do that. One so thing, I did, go ahead. I didn't wonder as I was watching it is, did the McAllisters ever spend Christmas at home? Like, why are they always trying to, like, travel someplace? Well, the first year is because his brother was in Paris, right? So it's like, we all got to be together. Now, is that the same brother that owns the place in New York? Maybe. You know, I, yeah, yes, yes, it is. Because remember, Kevin's dad says, I wonder if he would know, when they found out he's in New York, I wonder yeah. if he would know enough to go to my brother's. And then his mom says, I thought they were in Paris. It's funny, this brother's so important to both stories. And he's never seen. Yep. And they're, he's renovating his, his brownstone in somewhere in, <laughs> in, you know, in, in Tribeca, New York, right? He's some loaded. I wonder what this guy does. And Kevin's dad's like, we think he's rich. Man, his brother's freaking loaded. <laughs> uh, also, there's a separate, the, the separation with Kevin, of course, he's trying to put batteries in the talk boy. As a kid, I get that. You're impatient. Like even with yeah. my kids, as your kids get old, you'll understand it too. You're like, you need to just wait. It, it'll get dumb. Like I need it now. I need to do this right now. Um, I'm not going to nitpick the separation too much. Of course, there's a lot to nitpick. Um, for one, when Kevin runs to the gate, what is in his boarding pass that has 6,000 papers in it? Am I missing something? What 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 is that? You got me. I, mm. I never flew in the 90s, so maybe it was <laughs> 90s flight thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to nitpick it because if this doesn't happen, we don't have a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to nitpick it too much, right? If we, uh, if we can accept that the Irish whip works, we can accept this. Yes, for sure. Uh, then they go off. Kevin puts his headphones on so he doesn't hear that he's going to New York. Totally makes sense. Family's doing their bag check in Florida. Of course, they do a classic scene. Give this to Kevin. Give this to Kevin at baggage claim. Kevin's not here. And then What? And then Kevin's mom does like, Kevin! And if you notice in the background of her, Kevin, she must have screamed it so loud because there's a little girl behind her out of focus that is terrified, like an extra of how loud she screamed. <laughs> so I saw a couple, I don't know, fun fact videos. And one of the things they pointed out was that one of the, uh, the airline attendants was the female elf in the first movie. Mm. He goes to visit... Uh, the beardless Santa Claus that gives him the ticket. Yeah. Who gets a tech, who gets a ticket on Christmas Eve. Yes. That's, that's a fun little fact. I like that. Yeah. So Kevin, 
Lands in New York City, kind of looks around, realizes his family's not here. And by the way, he has his dad's bag, which has his wallet, credit cards, cash, all this stuff, which is why he's able to survive in New York City. Even in 92, very expensive city to live in or to, to visit. Now, this is one of my favorite parts is when Kevin realizes my family's in Florida and I'm in New York and does the fourth wall wink at the screen type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then we transition into Kevin in a cab crossing the Brooklyn Bridge into Manhattan with the freaking banger All Alone on Christmas by Darlene Love. Like, that song rules, and it's still one of my favorite Christmas songs. And just... montage of kevin kind of exploring manhattan buying fireworks you know just hanging out so this is the first time that i noticed him buying the fireworks in chinatown which he really i i never noticed it until this view yeah it's funny eventually he does get to the toy store but i would think the toy store would be like my first pick because even as a kid in chicago i knew fao schwartz which is obviously what duncan's toy chest is based off of i knew like that was a big toy store in new york so Mm -hmm. i probably would have tried to go there first but he's got cash and he's got places to be. So, so good for Kevin. What, and then we got a bit of the parents. They're with the Miami police department and they have to admit that <laughs> they lost their kid again for the second year in a row. And we go to back to New York city. We see Kevin who's in central park and he sees the Plaza hotel, New York's finest hotel experience. And he checks in, but he does it very smartly. Of course, checks in at a payphone with his talk boy with your favorite line. What are your favorite lines? You've told this to be like four times in the past few days of, <laughs> of what Kevin does in order to get a hotel room. The father? Yes. But you got that's not how he says it. How does he say it? Father. Yes. It's just such a weird thing to say. Like does would that... you ever make reservations and proclaim yourself the father? No. But <laughs> If I next time I have to call to make reservation anywhere, I'm definitely doing it. <laughs> and Love you it. should too. You <laughs> definitely should too. <laughs> this is Nate, the father. <laughs> you gotta say, I'd like a hotel room, please, with an extra large bed, a TV, and one of those refrigerators you have to open with a key. Credit card, you got it. <laughs> Dumb. You know, one thing we definitely can say is credit card, you got it when you check into a hotel <laughs> in that voice. So I'm putting that on you. I'm sure you, I mean, I don't know how much you travel, but next time you travel, credit card, you got it. I don't even need to travel. I'm going to do it when I make reservations for a restaurant next time. Or just uh, next time you got to pay a bill. Or if you're at the, uh, like, Target or, or you know, the, the grocery store. How are you paying? Cash or credit? Credit card? You got it. That's, that needs to be a, how is that not a t-shirt? I mean, there's definitely t-shirts of uh, the father, but maybe there is a credit card you got it shirt. I know Homage makes a few, like a lovely cheese pizza just for me. Just for me. Yeah, they make those. So the the Plaza Hotel is like the fanciest hotel you've ever seen. It's, it's super 90s. 
he a guest appearance from Donald Trump, with which at the time he's just a fancy businessman. So he him being there shows you how exclusive exclusive this hotel is. So apparently, I mean, from something that I watched, he apparently owned that when it was filmed. Okay, and I'm gonna be he also he also apparently there's a continuity area error where he lies to Kevin and he gives them the wrong direction to the lobby. He tells them to take a a left. left. He mm-hmm. actually took right. Oh, man, guy. and we elected this guy as president. He can't <laughs> tell Kevin where to go. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody. It was just a joke. <laughs> just a joke. If there was, you know, like Joe Biden giving wrong directions, it'd be the same joke. Um, so he goes to check in, and he checks in with not Tim Curry, who is just a gem in this movie as the hotel concierge. And or he's the hotel manager. He's not the concierge. Um Rob Schneider's the concierge. Cedric is the concierge. What's Tim Curry's name? I'm trying to look it up here. Uh, Tim Curry oh. is Mr. Hector. That's what he's credited as. Actually, oh. he's actually credited as concierge in the movie. But he's the manager, right? Rob Schneider's the con. He's the, oh, I guess Rob Schneider's the bellman. That's Cedric. Rob, yeah, he's the, the bellboy. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was, was wrong. was higher up. I was wrong. What do I know? Goes to check in. He gives his whole spiel. Talks about how his dad's in meetings. And he goes, ma'am, sometimes they get into mischief. A whole thing, right? I don't know. We're, we're, we're definitely willing to bend our reality in this movie. Would you ever let a kid who's 10 years old check into a hotel by himself? Like your dad just dropped you off? Like he couldn't come in for two seconds? So what's the well, deal here? Well, if you're not going to, what's the alternative? You not check them in and you let them wait in the lobby. Like, what are you going to do with the kid? You call a police. Yeah, I guess that's. He's got a credit card and he's got a reservation. I mean, she's looking it up. Everything's legit. Yeah, okay. I can sympathize with it. I can half believe it. Okay, okay. Um, the and then we see Tim Curry as Mister Hector telling Cedric not to count his tips in public, and tells him to keep an eye on that kid over there as he carries his bag to the room. And he's got a sweet, you know, extra large bed with a TV. One of those little refrigerators you open with a key. The other thing that was cool watching this is right away you see Kevin kind of looks around and he opens up the mini bar and it's just stacked with desserts, like cookies and candy and all that stuff. Like, sure. as a kid, even now as an adult, I'm like, man, those look like good cookies. Like, those look good. <laughs> <laughs> those look like good $30 a piece cookies. Yeah, well, although we'll talk about it at the end, like his his room service bill is not as high as I think it should have been. I think it should have been much higher. Yeah, to do just for inflation, though. I mean, and even in '92, we'll see. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. Um, and of course, he's getting he's got he's also has a butler in his room serving him ice cream. <laughs> well, that's probably the room service guy. Yeah, that's right. But when you are a room service at a hotel, they don't feed you the food. <laughs> like they're literally spoon feeding him ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> like two scoops sir two make it three i'm not driving <laughs> it's a great line uh and he's watching angels with even filthier souls i don't know how he got a copy i guess it's in the hotel vhs so that, adult movies are in there. like did he did he bring that with him maybe before the days of pay-per-view on the tv you can rent a video at the hotel okay. i'd imagine that was a thing I would have been wanting to do it. I'm sure it was a ridiculous price to rent it, but you know, I'm sure that's what it was. 
Okay, sure. We go out back to Florida because we kind of go back and forth a little bit throughout this movie between Florida and New York where the McAllister clan is being checked in to a really dumpy hotel, uh, the Villa Dolphin. And Uncle Frank again didn't look this bad in our honeymoon. So Uncle Frank suggested this hotel, which is the best part. <laughs> I, I know the place. I know the place where we got to go. You know, Peter, I know where we got to go. Kevin's dad. I love the little callback that they're watching. I forget which. I don't know if they're watching. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. Part, yep. But they're watching it in Spanish. Yep. They yep. watched it French the previous movie. Yes, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I think of that one. It's a wonderful life in France. Uh, so you don't, you wouldn't know this, but people from Midwest would. Uh, the Wisconsin Dells is a vacation city, but a really like cheesy place about three hours north of the Chicago area in Wisconsin. And there's a hotel up there that reminds me so much of this dolphin place. I think it might be called the Dolphin. Like it reminds me, it's, it's got the neon light. It's a crappy hotel. It's It just reminds me so much of it. And they're raining in Miami. Uh, what are you going to do, right? Then we go back to our hotel and a couple things happen. I don't know what the order of this is, but one Cedric comes up to kind of spy on Kevin. And actually when he drops the bag off, he goes to spy on Kevin by putting his key in the bag. Eventually brings him up a new pair of underwear. This is after Kevin jumps in the pool, loses his shorts by doing cannonballs. And I had to look this up. This is a little factoid. The Plaza hotel did not have a pool. So they had mm-hmm. to shoot this scene at a, at a hotel in Chicago. So there you go. Who knew? Apparently, France, fancy apparently, hotel, no no pool. Apparently Duncan's toy chest was in Chicago too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Uh, and before that, we have a classic scene. This is this is the scene that we have a lot of questions on, where Tim Curry's up investigating. Because he's suspicious. Like, there's a kid in my fancy hotel. Like, I run a tight ship here. And there's this kid who just snuck his way into our fanciest suite, one of our fanciest suites. So he sneaks into the room. Kevin hears him. So he runs into the shower, turn it on, where an already inflated yes. <laughs> stuffed cl- or inflatable cl- pool clown, which is life-size, and he's rigged up with ropes. So this must have been Kevin anticipating in case someone comes in, I'm going to pretend my dad's showering type of thing. That's the only thing that makes sense. So if you want to poke holes in this, with all the things that Kevin did in New York over the last day and a half, as a kid that's 10 or 12 or however old he's supposed to be, the time that it would take a child that size to blow up an inflatable bozo doll, yep. it's impossible. Right. <laughs> Just blowing up the doll would be impossible. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I think that's a nitpick we cannot get past. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to allow a lot of things that happen to Harry and Marv later, but we're not going to allow this. You cannot blow up a doll. The thing is, every kid who was watching that movie do that. You've all got a blow-up toy that you tried to blow up, and you nearly passed out trying to do it. Yeah, because you've got to kind of like squeeze it and blow it at the bites at the same time and bite. It's just, it's a it's whole awful. thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's, the thing was six feet tall. <laughs> Wait. Like, how many cubic feet of air did Kevin have to put into this bozo doll? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an answer for you, and I don't have one. I'm sorry, Nate. Sorry, I'm going to ruin this movie for you. We have to suspend it. Another thing, this part that makes no lot of sense. So what kind of speaker does that talk boy have on it? (laughs) (laughs) 
I never thought of that. An audio guy thing to think of right there. Good for you. So, yeah, so Kevin plays his tape of Uncle Frank singing. You know, he sneaks in. It's him singing, we know a guy who can really, and then get out of here, you nosy little pervert. And this Mac, you silly. But again, it sounds like surround sound. <laughs> well, you've, you've played back on a tape recorder. You played with a talk boy. How was the sound quality? Well, I can tell you, even if the sound quality was optimal, you would not be able to hear it over a steaming shower, I'm sure. Yeah. All things considered, pretty clever by Kevin to do that, to think about that. Um, then we go back the next morning where Kevin's all, you know, kind of walking out of the, the hotel in the lobby and we hear Mr. McAllister of, of, of Tim Curry yelling because he knows he's screwed up. And he goes, please apologize to your father. I was just checking around. Is he coming out? And Kevin's like, he was pretty mad. He goes, oh, I'd like to say goodbye to, or I'd like to see him to apologize. And Kevin said, if someone saw you naked, would you want to see them the rest of the trip? He goes, I guess not. He goes, so well so, handled. Yes. Just what a smart kid. So Kevin says, is my transportation here? Yes. A limousine and a pizza. Compliments <laughs> of the Plaza Hotel. Out in front, sir. A limousine and a pizza. Compliments of the Plaza Hotel. Oh, perfect. You said so, that gloriously. Well, I mean... A couple things about this pizza scene. So there's on a show or a podcast I listen to called The Rewatchables. Um, don't Bill, don't Bill, skip Bill. it over though. Nobody says pizza like Tim Curry. No, a pizza. <laughs> Compliments at the Plaza Hotel. Limousine and a pizza. Where do you think you got that from? Anyway, before anyway, on the, the podcast I listen to, they talk about old movies and one of the categories is um, what food would you most want that was shown in the movie? Right? And for me, it's not even a question. When Rob Schneider, Cedric, is waiting at the limo outside for Kevin and says, Mr. McAllister, your very own cheese pizza, opens the box and the steam rises off that cheese pizza. I mean, it might not even be that good of pizza, but just you need that right that second. You want it, right? It's it's an absurd amount of steam, too. But it's cold outside. And if it's if you if you get, if you have a if something hot out and it's cold out, it's gonna that's what's gonna happen. I don't I don't know why I don't know why you're 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 bugging me on this. This is <laughs> hey, it's, if, I, if I can accept the, the bozo doll, I'll accept the pizza, no problem. At some point, I'm not sure the exact order. I might have missed it there. Uh, Harry and Marv are in the they escape prison as we saw earlier. Ended up somehow on a, I guess a fish. A fish truck. A fish truck from Chicago prison from, you yeah. know, area to New York. Is, I don't know how. Is Chicago known as a fishing town that exports their fish to New York City? I'm going to unless they're doing like fresh perch from Lake Michigan. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> kind of strange. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, I guess they wanted to make it a New York thing and there's the fish market and all that where they were in there, but. I don't know. They, they didn't really explain how they escaped the prison. Um, I guess in the novelization of the movie, like I looked it up on, it's like on Wikipedia here. There's some type of, yeah, novels. They talk about that. Um, okay. Let's see here. The novel takes place one year after the film. Um, so in the beginning of the novelization, a prologue, which ends up being Marv's nightmare in prison, 
he and Harry sneak away from the cops and return to, uh, return to seek revenge on Kevin. So it's like him dreaming. Um, also in the novel, there ends up being a pursuit where Kevin runs into the garage and Harry and Marv in pursuit. Marv ends up triggering a trap that Kevin set up in the garage and Kevin watches as Marv ends up triggering a trap where a running lawnmower falls on his head. Oh my God. Which apparently happened in Home Alone 3. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like try to think of a what's like a a gross you ever see Dale and Tucker versus Evil? Nope. Go see that movie. It's a great Halloween movie. Anyway, super violent scene where one girl one girl gets caught up in a wood chipper on accident. It's pretty funny. Um it's a comedy horror movie. Anyway, that reminds me of it. This is like this Home Alone 2, the R-rated version. It's like the hidden cut of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Harry and Marv are back in the in New York City. Which, all right, that's a coincidence as it is. Both these people are in the same t- city, all of, everywhere in the country. The other bigger coincidence, which we'll get to, is they run into Kevin in a city of 10 million people. You know, we'll, we'll get to that later. Hey, it's but not it's, impossible. It's not. It's not, I suppose. You know, I'll it's, tell you, my my first time going to New York, I was in my, my late 20s, and I went with my wife before we were married. We're checking at the hotel. And a dude I went to high school with was checking on hotels. So the wet bandits could be at the same place as Kevin McAllister in New York City. Okay. You just you just allowed it right there or official. <clears throat> now the Bozo doll, I'm not buying. Not buying. <laughs> that's where you draw the line. <laughs> that's a good that's a good place to draw the line in the sand. I agree. <laughs> so Kevin, of course, is in the limo, he's all happy, he's drinking a Coke, which I noticed this first movie. Yes. It was Fuller Go Easy on the Pepsi. Coke yeah, said and they saw gonna... that. Like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we want to be the sponsor of this movie, Home Alone too. Uh huh. Yeah. Were you a Coke kid or a Pepsi kid? Um, where I lived, it was like more heavily Pepsi. But honestly, as a kid, I liked both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I prefer Coke. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't have. I I had a pop. I was at a kid's birthday party. Last weekend, or and I had a Coke for the first time in like a long time. I'm like, man, this is good. I couldn't finish it because it was so much sugar. But I'm like, mm, this is good. It's a Coke kid. Also, an RC Cola guy and a Jewel Soda, which is a uh, grocery chain out here for that's part of Albertsons. They uh, had their own brand of pop, which was responsible for a lot of kids' cavities growing up because they were like five cents a can. So parents just stacked them up and threw them in your lunches because they were so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> wrapped wrapped in aluminum foil to keep it cold too like that did anything <laughs> I was gonna ask if they did the aluminum foil thing you know it you had to, you had to do it I'm gonna start doing that to my kids to say just ask weird like what is wrong with you I'm like don't keep it cold I, did, I didn't but I remember the kid at my lunch table who did watching him unwrap it like a, the, the lamest Christmas present ever <laughs> talking shit about Be it like yeah yeah, that, that millimeter of insulation is going to keep it cold all day long. So Kevin wants to go to a toy store, tells the limo driver, and he brings him to Duncan's toy chest, which is basically what an F.A.O. Schwartz would look like, right? Now, even as a kid, I wasn't too impressed with this toy store. I'm like, where are the action figures? Same. I had the same feeling. It was, it's one of those, there's two different types of toy stores. There's toy stores with action figures. And then there's those like lame toy stores that sell like plushies and educational toys. This and whatever is this of... is. I'd say the toy store in big is kind of the exception to that. It has both. And okay. that was, that was FAO Schwartz. Yeah. Um, 
and that was that was big because they had you know laser tag and action figures and the and the big piano and of course all the stuffies too. So yeah, yeah but th- I was never a fan of of Duncan's toy chest. Agreed. Kevin buys some slime, a map, a magnifying glass, I guess Swiss Army knife thing, and it costs what like twenty dollars and ninety cents. Uh, for all that stuff, I actually wrote it down twenty three okay. seventy five. Yep, I think the majority and, of that's got to be that Swiss Army knife thing he bought. So I, I didn't notice that he bought other things. So he bought an Army knife, the the soap goop stuff, and what yep. else? A map. A map. Okay, a map. Yeah, because so I one. The, go ahead. I did the I did the inflation calculator too. That would be like fifty bucks in today's money. Man. So Kind of well, also, you, you got to realize too. He's he's not in the suburbs. He's downtown Manhattan. It's going to be jacked up anyway. You know, you go to That's a true. toy store downtown. It's going to be jacked up. That helps because I thought he just bought the slime. So the other things, there's a little more value there. Yeah. Well, I also knew he bought that because the next scene, which we'll get to, where Harry and Marv come up to him, he is using his Swiss Army knife magnifying glass on the map he just bought to figure out where okay. to go next. Yes, you're right. Yeah, uh, and they. Kevin then has a conversation with who we find out is Mr. Duncan, the owner of the toy store. And he sees the big chest of cash, which is going to the children's hospital, donates all the money to the kids, Christmas, great stuff, right? Kevin, for some reason, instead of of just saying, that's cool, here, put this in there for me. He comes up with a big elaborate lie. Like, why did he come up with this big lie to the stranger? This guy wouldn't have thought anything twice of it, right? Why do you think it's a lie? That might be true. He's admitting that, hey, this wad of money isn't mine. I'm not supposed to spend it, but I do have money back home, so I'm going to pay my dad back. But I would agree with you, but Mr. Duncan gets a peek into his bag and says, where'd you get all that money? And Kevin says, I have a lot of grandmothers. Oh, okay. That's the lie. You're right. My so he's, he's a little liar. Um, Kevin gives him the money. So then Mr. Duncan says, you get to pick an ornament off the tree for, for as a thank you. And I looked, I hit pause. The turtle doves was the best ornament on that tree. Like that was the coolest thing to get. Not a lot of cool stuff on there. Well, he definitely doesn't want to pick the thing that there's 12 of. Cause then he's leaving with like a whole basket full of breakable glass ornaments. Yeah. You have some turtle doves on your tree. Which tree are they on? Dove. Okay. They're, they're on the main tree. Cause my nope. best friend has their turtle dove. It is your best friend own pigeons. Um, he may or may not. Does your best friend really have the other turtle dove? Yeah, yeah. I think you're messing with me. I feel like you're messing with me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not messing with you. No. Now, was this purchased because of the song or because of this movie? It was because of the movie. It was branded with the movie. Okay. Yeah, it was something. It was a gift. My mom kind of gave it to me for Christmas, probably a year after the movie came out. Mm-hmm. I gave okay. the other one to my buddy. How nice. Um, we also, before, before we had missed this too, um, we hear Harry and Marv's plan, um, as they're on the skating rink to, uh, the Rockefeller Center skating rink, really inconspicuous as escaped convicts, um, to rob the toy store because Harry has the plan. What business is going to have the most cash on Christmas Eve that no one's going to think to rob. And then Marv, Harry or Marv goes candy stores. <laughs> <laughs> says it with such confidence. 
nine-year-old Rob Kennedy stores Marv. I'm talking about toy stores. And, you know, they talk about Duncan's toy chest. Their plan wasn't a bad idea to live in the kids' houses, to stay in there after they close. Not a bad plan. You know, especially if they have nowhere else to go anyway. What are they going to do? Yeah. It's warm. Um, But before that, they both leave the toy store. They see Kevin outside. As I mentioned, Kevin is looking at his map. And hiya, pal. Kevin screams, runs away, does the thing where he buys those uh, pearl necklaces off the guy off the street, makes a booby trap, Harry Marv fall down. Yes! And he runs to the, Kevin runs back to the hotel. In the meantime, we had seen that Tim Curry was so suspicious, he runs Kevin's credit card, and then it says declined. And because of that, he did this because earlier Kevin's parents at the police station were told, hey, report these as stolen. Once it comes up, we'll know where he's trying to use it. And then we can, you know, go go to where Kevin is. And uh, I would hate myself if I didn't mention it. The scene where, like, it goes from, I think it happened earlier in the movie, where it goes from, like, the Grinch to Kim, Tim Curry's face. Yes. It's incredible. Whenever I see a reference to the cartoon of the Grinch smiling, I think of Tim Curry. Yeah, it was... He nailed it for sure. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, and that's because Kevin was watching the Grinch in the limo. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of where it was. Because he smiles because it says uh, stolen as he's reporting it. So as Kevin's running back to the hotel to hide because Harry and Marv are trying to kill him, basically as we find out later, they really want to murder Kevin. Um, he, Kevin's like, these guys are after me. And of course, Tim Curry, what happened? Stolen except your stolen credit card. Let's see what the police have to say about this. So, when you're, if you're Kevin, you should be like, yeah, let's see what the police have to say about this. But no, he, of course, runs up to the hotel room and, again, does a fun prank where everyone's running after him, security guard, and uh, he does Angels the Filthier Souls thing. He goes, you was here last night. Yes, I was, sir. You was here, and you was smooching with my brother. Smooching with my brother. <laughs> You would smooch with every with yep. the gippy leg. <laughs> this is he's playing Angels with the Filthier Souls again. Must be great surround sound. I don't remember those old CRT TVs. They're not the best sound quality, but apparently at this hotel, great acoustics. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, good stuff. You were here. You were smooching with my brother. So he runs away because he plays the sound of the Tommy gun going off on the TV and everyone's freaking out. Turns out it's not real. Kevin tries to run for some reason. Harry and Marv knew that Kevin was going to be in the alley of the Plaza hotel as they're waiting for him. They catch him, they grab him and they walk him to basically where they're going to going to murder him. (laughs) Harry says to Kevin, as he's holding them, I got a gun in my pocket. You say one word, you're going to be chewing gum through your forehead or something like that. And this is of course, what everybody knows, right? Harry and Marv talk about their plan. And then Harry says to Marv, we shouldn't be telling him our plan. Marv says, who's he going to tell? Except maybe a fish or the undertaker. Now, <laughs> now, I know you thought that was a reference to the wrestler as a kid. Absolutely. I still kind of think it was. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say a undertaker. He says the, the Undertaker. The Undertaker, you're right. This is 92. 90, they're filming in 91. He just won the championship. And and as a kid, like, what other Undertaker is there? 
that there is isn't the one guy that does all undertakings. Mm-hmm. He's the one. Yep, he's the one. Um, and then a Kevin. Kevin just as much as shit we give Kevin. He's clever. He does the thing where he squeezes a girl's ass. Says he that, did it. I thought I still to this day think that was such a clever move for him to squeeze her ass and blame. Was it Marv? Yeah. Well, she punches hair. She punches hair. Uh, Marv first, and then she says he did it, and it's Harry, and he gets smacked. Brilliant. Um, and then she runs off. Kevin runs into the bird lady after he'd seen her once. Runs and hide from her. The pigeon lady, which we're gonna get to the pigeon lady. <laughs> so we get there. <laughs> As we get there, I, I you know what? Let's get to the pigeon lady now, right? Okay. Okay. So the pigeon lady is a homeless woman that lives in the park that feeds birds, and she's apparently from Ireland. Okay, I was wondering too. She has an Irish accent. How long has she been here? First off, this you know, how long has she been in America? Eventually, her and Kevin become kind of friends because Kevin apologizes for kind of being a dick, saying I shouldn't have screamed at you. I'm sorry. She says, wasn't that scary either. I never thought. I mean, she wasn't because I didn't think so. Well, keep in mind, we kind of skipped over. Kevin's been in the park at night when all the crazy people. So he's run into a, several crazy people already. A schizophrenic, somebody <laughs> saying, "Watch it, kid!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's already on edge, right? Ain't much better than here, kid. Yeah, the cab he gets into. It's scary out there. Had he run into the hookers already? Uh, yeah, he'd run into the hookers before the pigeon like, lady. Like, imagine that. Imagine a kid's movie where two hookers use the line, hey, you want me to take you home and read you a bedtime story? What, what if he said like yes? He, has <laughs> ca- he had cash. <laughs> well, he was of an age where he didn't think of that. Okay, okay. I never, I couldn't tell you if I understood what the hooker thing, I'm sure I didn't get it as a kid. No, no, completely over the head. Uh, so when he runs into her, eventually she, you know, they have a conversation for some reason because she's kind of quiet, nice. But seriously, see, if you saw this woman, would I wouldn't even know she was homeless. You take the birds away, she just looks like an old lady dressed for the cold. She's got bird shit all over her. Does she? He says she does. I saw no bird shit. In the final scene, I, I specifically was looking for bird shit, and I saw it. <laughs> did, you, did you use the magnifying glass on your Swiss Army knife? Listen, I got a lot of issues with the pigeon lady, all right? We're going to get in. This is, all right, we're going to get into it right here. I, I got issues. With can, the, can we start referring to her as the Irish pigeon lady? Hold on. What, does she have a name here? She doesn't. I saw that in the uh, credits, she's credited as Pigeon Lady. Okay. That, that's who she is, right? Or okay. uh, I don't know, Irish stereotype name Pigeon Lady. Yes. Brenda Fricker as Pigeon Lady, an, un- an unnamed woman who lives in Central Park, spends her life baiting pigeons. Um, she won an Academy Award in 1990. So let's For this? Not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's still alive. She's from Ireland. Um, yeah, you know, look here. So she won from my left foot. She was in my left foot. She won best supporting actress. I, am I supposed to know what that is? You know where she also was in? She was the foster mom in Angels in the Outfield. Oh, okay. You remember that movie? Yeah, absolutely. 
So she's been in a bunch of stuff, working out, talking shit about her. Do you think this is her most... I mean, she's won an Academy Award. Do you think this is her most famous role? Definitely. Okay, and she's the pigeon lady. All right, anyway. So there's a few things. So eventually, first off, why are you talking to this lady, Kevin? Just because she looks kind of nice. She could be on meth, as far as, you know. Also, I hate birds. Birds. Okay. Hate them. They're, they're the worst, you know, the like flying on you and stuff. It's like my nightmare. So what happens to Harry and Marv at the end is literally my nightmare. <laughs> so Kevin says he'll treat her hot chocolate someplace warm. And she says, I know a place. They sneak into a symphony orchestra house, a sold out Christmas Eve show. Right. And, and somehow find a way to get up to the very top of it without anybody noticing. She, I mean, yeah. In the sense, I mean, she's been homeless for a few years, right? She says to Kevin, I haven't talked to anybody in a couple of years before you. Okay, that's weird. We get, <laughs> we get her backstory. She's apparently homeless because her boyfriend broke up with her. <laughs> Are we serious? Like, you couldn't say, okay, time to move on. Nope, that's it. My life is over. And then Kevin's dumbass tells her a story about rollerblades if that's going to make her feel better. They're in like, okay, also. I like his rollerblade analogy. There's nothing wrong with that. But do, you, do you have a similar story of outgrowing skates that you were too afraid to ruin or something like that as a child? No, but I can, I can relate it to, to toys. To okay. What, what, what do you got? Toys. What, what, give Keeping me a your toy in a box and not taking it out and playing with it and enjoying it. Okay, well, that's not because you're afraid of ruining it. That's because you like how it looks or the value of it. Or you're a crazy person like Jeff from Fully Possible and you collect cardboard boxes. <laughs> that guy. But I am with you on the, my boyfriend broke up with me, so I'm homeless. <laughs> like, I don't think. Do if, we think. If, if you look at the statistics of homelessness, I'm sure the percentage of people that are homeless because their boyfriend broke up with them. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. There's more to it. Do you think he broke up with her because she was so into birds? Yeah, think... it was It was definitely bird poop. Do you think she was on some type of drugs? Um, Where did her money go? What, did you, what was she doing for a job? Was he her full support system? Did she come maybe, from Ireland? Did they come maybe, from Ireland together? I have questions. Together. I have questions. Maybe it was like a catfishing thing. Did they, and there, there was no like, internet in 92. You can't catfish. They were, pen, they were pen pals. You don't pen pal. Yeah. Okay. So what, so the most realistic scenario, she fell in love with someone via pen pal, showed up, <laughs> wasn't real. She came all the way across the Atlantic to New York city to meet the love of her life. It's like, well, he's not here. I guess I'm just going to live in the streets now. Maybe it was one of those prison pen pal things. And she was like, right. <laughs> A prison pen pal thing. So I'm just annoyed. I mean, I get it. Kevin's too naive. Kevin's a kid. He has the excuse. He's too naive to see that this is weird. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, Kevin's also just, just trying to survive at this point. Right now. He's always got cash. So I don't know what he's freaking out too much about. So eventually he, he convinces her. 
that if you don't use your heart, you'll lose it or something. I don't know. Was she grooming him to be a homeless lover on the streets with her? Do you think that's possible? I don't think that was possible. Was she grooming him? Yes. Or her ex? No, no. Was she grooming Kevin? She's like, all right, this kid looks like he's pretty desperate. Maybe I got a companion. He's a couple years from puberty. (laughs) If she was going to do anything, she would have mugged him and taken all his cash. No, no, no. She's like a mountain of birdseed. She clearly doesn't care about money. She cares about birdseed. She cares about birdseed. Because if she cared about money, she'd be pawning these, you know, priceless instruments she's sitting up with at the balcony. (laughs) And the chandelier. Right. She'd be be pawning that stuff off, but she doesn't care about money. She wants a companion. That's why she's like, all right, this kid talked to me. I don't care if he's 10, 12. He's got cash. She didn't ask him, like, he gives her, like, a vague idea of why he's on the streets in New York. She's not like, yo, how'd you get here? You know, I guess, you know, maybe that's yeah, an unspoken rule you, on the streets is you don't ask it, questions. Yeah, it was just a don't ask, don't tell thing. She clearly has a lot of details that she doesn't want to divulge, so she's probably not asking questions either. Okay. Also, just going to say it, this is a family show, but fuck birds, fuck pigeons. <laughs> Pigeon lady's the worst. <laughs> Might be my wor- one of the worst characters in the history of cinema, as far as when you really break it down, and what she Ooh. does to Kevin. You know, it, it, and we'll get to her spot at the end, her big hero moment. When you think about it, does she really do anything? Does she really do anything? We'll get to that in a second. Stay with us here. <laughs> We're take a quick break, <laughs> like OVP putting a commercial Home Alone two for Fern Gully. <laughs> wow, All I right. didn't, didn't realize he hated birds and the pigeon lady so much. I must listen. I hate birds. I hate this lady. When you combine them together, they put me in a bad mood. Okay. But luckily, uh, because Kevin's family finds out that uh, the stolen credit card was in New York, they all leave the hotel or they leave their crappy hotel in Florida to go to New York to get Kevin. So they get to show up at the plaza and we get Tim Curry and just, again, and Catherine O'Hara, they're both just, you know, throwing heat at each other. And she's like, what kind of idiots do you have working here? <laughs> the finest the in New York. finest in New York. <laughs> and then the, also, is Tim Curry so proud of himself? And I think it's Kevin's dad. He goes, well, when you, when you found out the car was stolen, why didn't you call the police? And before he gets to finish, Tim Curry's like, I made the discovery. <laughs> like, I was the one that found it. <laughs> like, bragging it. And then uh, Tim Curry's, you know, still talking about how he's, you know, we're so sorry he ran and you know, everyone's pissed off at them. So they offered them a free suite at the Plaza Hotel for their whole family, which is not a bad gig, right? Not a bad deal. Uh, but then Kevin's mom says that she's going to go out looking for him. And I looked up apparently on the kind of like fa- trivia. I don't know if this, how much how true this is, but Catherine O'Hara felt that as Kevin's mom, she wasn't concerned enough about him. So they wrote in more of her looking for him on the streets okay. of New York. So, and, uh, Kevin's, you know, Kevin's mom is telling her dad, I'm going to look for him, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you can't do that. This is New York City. And Tim Curry says, trying to going off, this is the largest city in the world. There's all these bad people. She smacks him in the face. Then Tim Curry tries not to cry. He's like, please bite the lip. It's quite cold out there. Uh, Kevin's still wandering around, looks up and sees the kids in the hospital and says, you can mess, mess with a lot of things, but you can't mess with kids on Christmas. 
Like, where's that kid's family? Listen, if you're you're a dad, your kid's in the hospital, you're staying there with them. They're not alone at the hospital. Like, you're going to sleep with them, you know? Or one of you, you or your wife. Well, Marv and Harry aren't going to murder the kids in the hospital. They're just going to take the, the money for their Christmas gift. Yeah. Well, whatever. So Kevin, of course, rigs up his uncle's house, his uncle Rob's house, the brownstone that's being renovated with lots of booby traps. And pretty much this is where the slapstick comedy begins of the movie. It's just firing for 35 minutes straight of just comedy. Um, This movie's had some serious tones throughout it, but for the next 30 minutes, it's straight up Three Stooges. The... Harry and Marv, as we mentioned, are inside Duncan's toy chest. Robbie the things. Kevin takes a picture of him with the Polaroid, throws a brick through it, sets the alarm off, and we're off to the races, right? They chase after him. He ends up back at their at his uncle's house. And in one of my favorite line, favorite moments, which I didn't realize it till now, didn't make any sense, right? Harry and Marv are chasing Kevin because he's got proof of them robbing the store by taking the Polaroids. So Harry tells Kevin, you know, not to make me bad than to, to shoot you, but I don't got any time. So just give me your camera and we'll go away. The camera doesn't help. He's got the Polaroids. Why does he want the camera? He wants the, he needs the pictures. Huh. Very good. And then Kevin throws bricks and Daniel Stern just, I was belly laughing at this, rewatching this, <laughs> getting hit with the bricks. Just hilarious. I think it's, it's probably the one hit in this movie that gets me the most is the Brit. Mm-hmm. Um, what, we're not going to go over all the booby traps he sets for him throughout the house. What's your favorite booby trap that get that they get hit with? Um, I like how they did the uh, revisiting of the buckets on the stairs. Yep, they ducked the buckets. Yeah, because like watching that as a kid, you're like, okay, I've seen this before. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And the way that they do it, they duck the buckets, and then he surprises them with the giant lead pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Not only does the pipe hit them, they end up hitting the buckets with the back of their heads anyway. Yeah. That was fun. I really liked when Harry's head caught on fire as kind of a reminder to last uh, movie. Except uh-huh. this time he casually walks around. Sees his head and then, ooh, ooh, and then he headstands into the toilet, which is filled with gasoline, and he gets exploded. And that's like <laughs> Bugs Bunny stuff. He's got the black teeth and it's the soot in his face. That was that just cracked me up too. Um, we got we got to mention Marv getting electrocuted and turning. I'm, I've got notes. I'm partial to that because how <laughs> ridiculous it is. And he turns into a skeleton. Just come on. And then morphs back into a human being again. <laughs> Incredible. Ironically, that might be the thing he would have. People, they all would have been most likely to survive would have been the ele- the electrocution. <laughs> and Kevin, little sadistic bastard, is turning up the voltage on him as it's going. <laughs> they were trying to murder Kevin, right? Yeah. Uh, there's another yeah. funny line when when Kevin kind of escapes through. I guess that's like a garbage chute pipe they make for the renovation. Yeah, and right. Harry and Marv are going down a rope, and Marv is, Harry, you got new aftershave? And Harry's, no, that's kerosene. <laughs> the rope is soaked in it. Why would anyone soak a rope in kerosene? And of course, Kevin 
lights a match, lights it up. And meanwhile, Kevin's been taking Polaroids the whole time for his scrapbook, I guess. <laughs> um, they they go back up and and all that. They go back up the rope, you know, back up the thing, and they're on fire. They fall down, and not only do they fall off the rope, they hit the scaffold, which is covered in varnish. Not paint, but varnish, which just stinks to high heaven, I'm sure, and stings their eyes. Uh, and uh, yeah, and what we don't see is I'm sure Kevin's poor uncle's house burns to the ground because of it. Um, prop, no, it's a brownstone. It's all brick. It's okay. He'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> it survives. It survives. That's what we're assuming. So Kevin's plan here, a little callback to earlier from the fireworks, is he is going to uh, get the bad guys, Harry Marp, to chase him to Central Park as he lights off fireworks to let the cops know where he is. And he bought them earlier in Chinatown, as we as we talked about at the beginning of the show. So when, when he lights off the fireworks, he does another like Looney Tunes thing. I don't know if you noticed, he strikes the match against a tree to light it. Have you ever bought Strike Anywhere matches? I don't know. I, as a kid, have tried to strike a match against various things. So you need to, they make specific Strike Anywhere matches. Okay, so there's a special kind of magic match that I need to buy. Yes, and the first time, the first time I, I knew about them when I was a kid at my uncle's house in Wisconsin, my cousin showed me, he's like, he's like, yeah, you just, you just, anywhere i'm like really he's like yeah you just you know watch and you just push it against the wall and they're called strike anywhere matches good stuff i'm not sure if they exist anymore let me google it really quick but it was definitely a thing where i got in trouble because i kept striking them on the brick wall like this is the coolest thing ever strike strike anywhere matches but as kevin's running away as kevin's running away i watch cartoons that bugs bunny would strike a match oh yeah wall yeah, you can buy them at Lowe's. You can buy them on Amazon. Get yourself some. I'm gonna, go ahead and get, special time. Yeah, just I've learned some. Go get get yourself some Strike Anywhere matches for the Christmas season. You have a fireplace at your house? Um, kind of. There's a gas. Yeah. Okay, so we have a gas fireplace. I never use it. One because I'm always paranoid about like it. Like obviously, there's no embers in the gas fireplace, so like not a big deal. But it's not going to warm me up. And my wife. Uh, has always wanted a house in the fireplace because the house she grew up in was the house that her grandparents bought. Um, They sold to her mom and dad later on. So anyway, her grandparents are from England. They moved here and her mom actually was born in England. Mm -hmm. And when they moved here, they specifically did not want a house in the fireplace because in England and when they were growing up, if you had a fireplace in your house, it meant you were poor. So they specifically did not want a fireplace in the house. So she's always oh. wanted one. And now we have one, but we never use it. So it's the, the circle as it is. Little fun facts here. Um, Kevin runs away from the bad guys, slips on the ice, whacks his head, um, and knocked out cold. You ever slipped on ice? Oh, all the time. You ever been injured? Um, Nothing permanent. I guess the, the last time I did, I was heading late to work. This was several years ago. Um, my driveway was a big hill. So yeah. as soon as I stepped on the hill, I slipped on the ice, slid down the hill, threw my cup of tea up, and it landed on me. So not only was I hurt, I had to climb up this icy hill, and I was covered with tea. I was late. I had to get changed before I could go back to work. That's awesome. That's that's you're like a you're a wet bandit or a sticky bandit yeah. as they call it. Exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. One time. I remember we were, we were at my friend's house and 
it was called out like, hey, there's ice in the driveway. So I'm carefully walking. I didn't see the one spot and I was walking at like a regular pace. It was like a movie, legs up over my head, landed. Uh, and I went to catch myself, ended up landing on my elbow. It's miraculously didn't break anything. And I think if I would have put my hand out, I would have broken my wrist, but luckily I didn't. So I just had a giant bruise on my elbow for like a month. But yeah, it's my big ice. And of course there's times, I have a really steep driveway now too. And I'm super conscious of it. And sometimes when I'm taking like the garbage cans out on garbage day after it snowed, I've definitely fallen before. And I'm like looking around, please no one have seen that type of sure, thing. Yeah. Or you come close when you're shoveling, but you like yep. use your hockey skills to use the shovel like a hockey stick. And yeah, well, I've actually, re- in the years I've lived here, this house, I bought boots that have extra good grips on them for that okay. reason. I've, yeah. I've, I've learned, I'm, you know, you, you got to pay the extra few bucks sometimes to do that. And I learned there's few, there's a few things you should invest in as an adult. A good pair of boots is one of them. If you live in a cold climate, I'm like, don't go cheap on that. That's my advice to everybody. That That's good grandfatherly advice. There. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm sure you have things. I mean, you're not a, you're not a, you're not an uncle Frank, Mr. Cheapskate. You're buying when anything, by the way, have you seen these ringside sales? You just grab a bunch of murals to use for spare parts for like two bucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got a bit of uncle Frank in me. It just, with the things I like, I can steer away from that. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll talk some wrestling figures in a little bit, uh, to end the show just because I want to, and it's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, so anyway, they're bringing Kevin to the park to murder him. Um, they have a gun. It's not, I mean, that's not a joke. That's what they're going to do. They're taking him to the park to shoot Kevin in the head. But I mean, in all the times I've seen this movie, I never looked at it that way. That What I were they going to do to him that. then, in your opinion? I don't know. They were just chasing him to shake him up. <laughs> okay. So people... I, you're right though. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I don't think of it that way. I don't think of the idea that murder is a part of home alone. That's their plan. Yeah. Uh, they've got him in the park there. Uh, Harry's got his gun, but unfortunately it's covered in goop and varnish and slime and, and everything else you could imagine. Um, and the bird lady, the pigeon lady shows up, let him go. And Kevin runs away. She's got a giant ass bucket of bird seed and Marv is saying to Harry, shoot her, shoot her. He's like, I'm trying to shoot her, but he can't get the gun grip. <laughs> so she throws the bird seed on him. And this is my nightmare. When a million <laughs> pigeons attack these guys, Kevin lights off the fireworks. So the cops know where to go, but it's just nuts. All these damn birds, right? It's insane. So in my research, I heard that, uh, what's his name? Daniel Stern. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Apparently a pigeon got in his mouth during the scene. Oh my God. Well, because he's going and he's screaming. He's not holding yeah, back. When he's, when he's screaming, they say that a pigeon got in his mouth. Oh my God. I want to throw up thinking about that. That's the worst. <laughs> <sighs> um, also, we, we've seen a few things of uh, Kevin's mom looking for him. She talks to a cop and says, take me to Rockefeller Center. I know where he is. He's by the Christmas tree. And then we go to a scene of Kevin who's apparently praying to the Christmas tree. I think that's kind of what I got at it. Um, saying he wants just to see his mother and his family and all that stuff. Uh, Kevin's mom finds him. There's a big reunion. They're happy. They go back I to the hotel. Thought, I always thought this was a, I don't know, sweet writing to have him go to the Christmas tree and the mother to tie in this whole thing that Kevin really cares about Christmas trees. Yeah. I thought that was a nice way to reunite them. 
yeah, I, I'm I'm good with it. I'm good with yeah. it. Um, after all the slapstick fun and violence, it's nice to have some a nice little sweet moment. So they go to the back to the hotel room, and it's this giant suite. All the kids are in one room, and Fuller's on the giant king bed by himself with several, several cans of Coke surrounding him. Big smile on his face. Good stuff, right? Uh, also, we had see the Duncan's toy chest show up because Duncan is at is uh, at. They do like a little bit of a montage of what happens. Duncan's at his toy store because the alarm went off after Kevin threw a brick through it. And Kevin says, dear Mr. Duncan, he leaves him a note. I'm sorry I did this. I catch the bad guys. Thanks for the turtle doves, right? So in order to pay Kevin back, I guess, for saving his store and saving the money for the children at the hospital, Duncan's toy chest delivers a shitload of toys and presents to the McAllister suite. So now if there is one family that definitely needs and deserves <laughs> all these free toys, it's the McAllisters, right? <laughs> Come yeah, on. yeah, they're they're very much in need, right? They've all got presents waiting for them back in Florida or in in Chicago or wherever. It's not like they didn't get presents, but they're <sighs> they're all still chomping at the bit to dive into those presents. Did doesn't, you see? Did you Uncle see... Frank even say like, "Don't take any of my damn presents"? Yeah, he's like, "Don't take it. I mean it." <laughs> <laughs> did you see a Christmas story Christmas yet? I did. Okay, so let, I'm going to talk to you about that. So if you haven't seen A Christmas Story Christmas, we're going to talk about it for the next minute. Spoiler alert. Three, two, one. Okay. A Christmas Story Christmas, the sequel to A Christmas Story on HBO Max. The ending of that, where they find, where the next, the morning of Christmas, there's all these presents that um, Ralphie's dad had left for them because he purchased them before he passed away for the kids. That, like, got me. I, I was watching, like, oh, man, that's a great thing. It, like, choked me up. Yeah. That is the complete opposite of how I felt watching this scene of these greedy jerks getting all these presents, right? These rich kids. Even if you look past the greed, like in the Christmas story, those gifts were bought specifically for the kids, what they wanted. In this story, what do you think they're opening up? None of those people are getting something that they really wanted except for maybe Kevin and Fuller. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Uncle Frank. <laughs> like Uncle Frank opens up a, a, I don't know, a bottle of that monster goo or a, <laughs> a stuffed dog. <laughs> and he's like, who's, you know, Buzz says, who's Mr. Duncan? Buzz gives a big speech like, hey, <laughs> you can't whistle. So he does that. Uh, now, basically tells I, Kevin, I, good it, job. It, is it this movie or the first one where he, where he says, enough of this show of emotion? It's this one. He wants to say enough of this show of emotion. <laughs> it's this one. Um, they're all getting ready to rip. They're getting ready to rip up of the presents, and Kevin stops and thinks, "Oh man, that creepy bird lady's probably out there somewhere. Better go to the park." <laughs> it's snowing, by the way, you, which is a great scene. You know what? You know what the bird lady means. One more bird. <laughs> <laughs> I just put that together right now. I just, I don't know how I just put that together right now. <laughs> Kevin runs out to her. Who's, she's in Central Park. What's she doing? Feeding the birds. Uh, and he go, and she's like, Kevin, Merry Christmas. And Top of the morning to you. <laughs> she, I mean, this is a little stereotypical. Do you think she's a drunk? 
Do you think she's got a flask in her? Maybe that's why her husband left her. Do you think that's possible? It's possible. Okay. It's definitely so we, not best. Did that even exist in the 90s? I don't know. I don't know. But it's, uh, well, we'll just say she was doing booze. She was a booze hound. I'm with you. I mean, that's a little more logical why she's homeless than I, my heart got broken. And she's a grown-ass woman. She's not a 15-year-old where you're illogical. She's but had other you, relationships, one would assume. If you think of it, put put your mind in like someone who's abusing alcohol. They wouldn't think that the alcohol was the reason their relationship ended. It was just because that person left them. It was because of the birds. Yeah, wow. that's... It's like, yeah, that's the problem. Fucking Jonathan didn't like my birds. Yeah, that's the thing. I assume his name's Jonathan. Gave him a whole backstory. <laughs> Kevin finds her and says, this is for you. And like you mentioned, gives the other troll dove a bird. She says, we'll always be together. You know, as long as you have that, we'll, we'll always be friends forever. Okay. 10-year-old kid and 50-year-old alcoholic bird lady. Like, what are we doing here? By, by the way, I just want to say, I really, really like this movie a lot. It's a fun movie to watch. Definitely go and watch it. I'm sorry if I've jaded anybody when they're going to watch this again. But... I had to get the stuff off my chest. I've been ranting to myself all day. And then, of course, we go back to the hotel room, and Buzz answers the door, and Cedric is there for Mr. McAllister's room service bill. It is $967.43 with tip. Now, not bad, considering you know how much minibar stuff costs. right? He stole all those cookies and candy from the minibars. They're 20 bucks a pop. Ice cream. He's probably ordering pay-per-view with those videos. Not bad. <laughs> I love the whole like back and forth of Rob Schneider mm-hmm. never gets tip. Yeah. Like, he gets gum. <laughs> he gets gum to begin with. And then he's like, I don't need a tip. I still have gum. And Kevin's like, got a lot of money. He's like, okay, cool. Slams the door in his face. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it ends with a piece of chewed gum. Yeah. I love the, the, the reoccurring gags are always fun, especially when it's something stupid like that. Yeah. And the, the interesting way for the movie to end, Chris' dad, Kevin, you spent $967 on room service. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I was by myself. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, you had cash. Would you blow it on hookers and booze? Give me that bird lady you've been talking with. <laughs> Well, he did encounter hookers and the bird lady, so yeah. possible. Yeah. I mean, he, Kevin's never going to see this lady again. She doesn't have a phone. How's he going <laughs> to... He's never going to talk to this lady again. She doesn't have an address. Well, it's the 90s. How could she have a phone? She doesn't have a home. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just, she doesn't have an address. She doesn't have a letter he could send her to. What if Kevin gave her his address and Home Alone 3 was her showing up unannounced? <laughs> and then and, and Uncle like Frank she, answers the she's door. Trying to rob him? Maybe. Oh, she's like, this kid's got money. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hitch a fish, fish truck to Chicago and mm-hmm. rob this kid. Mm-hmm. It's possible. All this is well, possible. Yeah. We as got a better sequel. That is, it's better than Home Alone Three. Yes. Yes. There are some Home Alone Three apologists out there. Justin Summers is one. So, well, you know. Okay. It, we'll allow it. Maybe I'll revisit it, but I don't know if I need to. I do watch a lot of bad movies, so 
All right, what what are you going to give this? What's your letter grade for Home Alone 2? If um, Home Alone, for me, Home Alone 1 is an A+. Plus. What's, what's Home Alone 2 for you? I give it a solid B. I'm going to give it a B plus. That's it was fair. really good. It's fun. It's honestly the la- the 30 minute slapstick. We skipped over it because there's not much we can to talk about. It's something you have to watch because how goofy it is. We talked about a couple of the pranks, but I think it's a lot of fun. And the I mean, phys- honestly, yeah. to give it credit, I mean, it's a hard movie to follow up. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to make it make sense. And I think they, they were pretty creative with how they did make the whole scenario happen again. Now, do you think my version of Kevin in a feather hat and an adopted uh, finding, I mean, he did find a homeless person. I, I'm sorry. I, I think you meant to say a New York hat. Yeah. A New York style. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to find a picture of that somewhere. Maybe buy Fern Gully on VHS or something sealed. It's probably like a million dollars now because the world's gone crazy and sealed VHSs are worth money. Um, I'm going to try to find that somewhere just for you. The New York style hat, New York style pizza, New York style hat. Please do. Yeah. Uh, what? So a couple, couple of things to ask. So you give it a B. Uh, who's your favorite character in the movie? Um, oh gosh. Mine's uncle Frank. Clearly. Yours is uncle Frank. I mean, I'd be lame, but I gotta go with Kevin. I mean, I love Kevin as a kid. For, yeah, for, up. I also like Tim Curry's character too, as Mr. Hector. He's great too. Yeah. He's perfect, perfectly cast. Yeah, there, I, there's no one I would rather have in different roles. Like I would, I wish John Candy could have made an appearance somehow in this movie. But other than that, I'm, I'm fine with everything they did with it. If there was anything, anything you'd change about this movie? I mean, do you kind of like it how it is? Anything you'd change? Um, I guess some of the maybe slapstick stuff. Mm-hmm. Not that I would take out slapstick stuff but maybe done some different things or had some things that were i don't know a little more kid funny yeah i'd probably take out the murder the attempted murder that's about it like a lot of stuff i think that kevin did was it was a lot i don't know a lot more violent this time he didn't use like he was using toys in the last one and Right. There was some violent stuff, but I would like to keep some more toys. Or... Well, he's he's got to work with what he's what he's got. All he's got That's is true. a renovated house, a renovated brownstone. He doesn't have much to work with. That's all he has. That and his tub of slime. Yeah, that's true. Twenty two dollar tub of slime. As you thought as a kid, that was only twenty two dollars. That's funny. You always thought that was twenty two dollars just for the slime. Yes, I did. Even when I watched it this time, like man, man that's expensive <laughs> slime. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I I like the movie a lot, and it's not my top two or three movie. It's in my top ten though for Christmas movies. I'd say, is it in your top ten? Is it make it up? Does it make? Does it crack the top ten? Absolutely. What's yeah. your favorite Christmas movie? Um, I'm a big Christmas Story, or I'm sorry, uh, Christmas Carol guy. Which version? So, my favorite version is George C. Scott. Okay. Or S. Scott. Not the Muppets? Not the Muppets. That's not one of my favorites. I don't like the musical versions. What about Scrooged? I like Scrooged. It's not my favorite, but I like Scrooged. Yeah, Home Alone's my favorite. And the top two for me always is the same. It's Home Alone and Christmas Vacation 1-2. And they'll let the next 10 kind of rotate around. 
It's a Wonderful Life as I've gotten older has been more of a my favorite Christmas movie to watch every year. But Just Friends is a hilarious Christmas, I'd say, Christmas movie. I'm not familiar with that. Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. It's on Peacock, so go ahead and watch that tonight. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's a, it's a, it's came out in like 2005. Um, it's a very funny movie. It's takes place around Christmas time. Go, go check it out. It's in takes oh. place in New Jersey, so it's really funny. Is that where he like used to be fat? Yes. Yes. Okay, I have seen that. No, okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, as far and then like I mentioned that the new the Christmas story Christmas I liked that. Did you like it? I did. Okay. I mean, good. I could see where people would be like poo poo on it a little bit, but it was what I would expect it to be. Yeah. The last part of the movie was great. And like at the ending, you can yeah. see a mile coming from a mile away. Like Ralphie writes the Christmas story. Like that's like what like see, the end I, of the movie. Yeah. I, I didn't see it. Really? It was, yeah. It was like, it blew my mind. I was like, Whoa, is this a sequel? Is this a prequel? What is happening? <laughs> Well, the original Christmas story is based off of a short story, the movie. Right. So sure. that, that's what we got here is Ralphie wrote it. So I don't think, I don't know. There wasn't anything I would really change. It was kind of goofy, but I liked it and I loved the ending. I loved the ending of that movie. So it was worth it. And that, I really love that they got so many people back. Yeah. Like they got the friends back. They got Farkas and the Toad back. They even got the, the people that played the elves. Oh, did they? Yeah, I didn't realize that. I didn't recognize that. Yeah, from the from, you know from the Santa Claus. That might have been the same Santa too. I'm not 100 percent sure off the check, but it was the same elf for sure. Hey, kids, stores closing. <laughs> <laughs> Scariest elves in the history of cinema. Definitely, ma'am. So before we wrap up our Christmas movie look back, like we do every year, which is always fun to do. So thanks for coming on. Hope you had fun with it, like I did. What's yeah? What's, thanks for having. What's new with you? What's anything on your Christmas list that for yourself? Or are you just all in the giving mode for people? Um, no, no, I don't have too much that I'm giving myself this year. I'm kind of pulled back a little bit because, you know, I had a crap ton of orders from San Diego Comic-Con that kind of arrived in the last month and a half. So mm-hmm. that's what I gave myself. Cool. Cool. Um, what has been so far, one of your favorite figures, not your figure, I'm not going to say figure of the year, but like what's some of the, like the top ones you've gotten for wrestling figures this year? Um, I really like, I mean, I think it's cool as shit that we got Zeus. Mm-hmm. The ultimate Mr. T. I mean, the fact that he comes with the little Hulkamania hat. Right. I love that detail. Um, I think, am I correct in my timeline, was Boone this year? That was kind of at the beginning of the year, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, the, the fact that we got a goon, yeah, that was fun. Um, the DX Army and the fact that I have the, the little tank that I put sure. together with that. Love that as a display piece. Good. There's been a lot of good stuff, for sure. Yeah. You know, I like the, the Warrior Ultimate WrestleMania 7. I'm glad they redid that. I mean... I thought the other one was perfect, and I still think it is. They just need a little bit better in the face, and they did. Yeah, that's crazy about the head. So right, and they did it. The, the redo, the redo is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the the Hogan from Rest, like the WrestleMania one Hogan, basically that came with Mister the Mister T at the same time. I thought Incredible. that was great Hogan. Like as as far as Hogan's go, that might be the best one that's been released. It, 
the heads are just they're so perfect for that era Hogan. Right. I still, I still think for like a 90, 91 Hogan, the Storm Collectibles ones are the better ones. Um, I know that's kind of controversial, but for me, I think that's my favorite one. Um, but I'm, I'm optimistic we're going to get a 91 Hogan. We're, we're getting close. We've gotten for the preview of that Hogan with the, I guess it's like like the Desert Storm Hogan. It's like the boot yeah. camp match Hogan, which is close. Match. Yeah. yeah, it's close, but. Have, not... have we seen his head though? I don't know. I'd imagine it's the same heads they've been using. He has that mask on. Yeah, it's the same heads they've been using. You know, Rad Chad and I were talking, and he's pumped about it because it's basically from the the WWF magazine cover. And mm-hmm. I I just laughed. I'm like, I think it's hilarious that they built a figure based off of house show matches because <laughs> that's what it, that's, this was. Him and Slaughter were doing Desert Storm house show matches. Yeah, and that's and the same thing with the, fist, with the fist helmet thing. That was like a house, house show match thing. Too. Yeah. Yeah, the war bonnet, good stuff. Yeah, man. they're they're all in. They're trying to bang all the Hogan's up. Yeah, that's why I've been slowing down on getting some of these Hogan's. I didn't get the Coliseum collection. I'm like, all right, I got. There's too many Hogan's. <laughs> I got to slow down. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but time to slow down. Um, I did my wish list show a few weeks ago with Eric. Uh, him and I have a, another fun show. Hopefully, a good show plan. We did the War Games '93, which was just a rough watch. But I'm hook, we're going to pick out a new one uh, for next week. And then I'm going to keep the mini shows going for everyone as well. Uh, and then also probably next week, start reaching out to everyone about sending over some Christmas tradition stuff. Cause I want to do a Christmas episode like we do every year as well, just to keep cranking out shows and these cold winter months when people are stuck at home doing chores, you get a drive to work and all that. I love listening to podcasts and listening to other people's shows. So that's what we want to keep doing here and keep it rolling along. And Nate, man, thanks again for coming on tonight and talking home alone too with me on the PPW podcast Christmas movie special episode. Thanks for having me and Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. You can follow Nate on Twitter at Ringskirts. You can follow us on Twitter at PPW podcast. Join our Facebook group at Positivity Processing Podcast. And of course, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. Thanks everyone for listening and Merry Christmas. And I hate birds. See ya. You filthy animal. The music